0: Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. The Christmas story according to the Gospel of Luke. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger when they had seen him they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them but mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart the shepherds returned glorifying and praising god for all that they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told
1: oh wow 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 Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, my gosh. It is so good to see you Um, at about, like, 1.40 today. Typically, like, around Awaken, Christmas Eve is a big, big deal. But over the last couple years, it's sort of been, like, you know, with everything in our lives. What on earth are we doing? So we all were kind of like, we have no idea what's going to happen tonight. Like, if people are going to come at, like, 1.40, there were three people in the room. And I was like, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm going to have an absolute heart attack. I'm not, I don't know what to do with myself, but you're here. So thank you so much for coming. Yeah. I mean, do you remember last year? Like, nobody was here on Christmas Eve. Like, we, we came to you by, by television, which is just so poor. Poor. You know, I mean, it's all we could do, it's all we could do, but but it, it feels so good to see you all, and so good to be here. If you're new, welcome to Awaken. We are so glad you're here. Um, if you're looking for a church, or, or you're interested in finding out more about Awaken, um, if you could let us know you're here, that would be awesome. On our website, there's a little I'm new button. You can click that and let us know, and someone will reach out to you. Uh, to those who call Awaken home, um, welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, I was thinking about, you know, all, all the... It, we're. 11 years old. This is the 11th Christmas Eve we've celebrated together, and I was thinking back through all of the Christmas Eves, the first of which we started this church 11 years ago on Christmas Eve. I don't know if you knew that or not. We did some like preview gatherings, but like Christmas Eve 2010 was our kickoff to uh, being a church. There's a couple of you I saw who were here that night. Um, a few years into our, our, our life as a church, we we usually pick a, a one word on Christmas Eve and kind of explore the theme of Christmas through that one word. And one year, it was light. And so I had this brilliant idea to, like, to create this sort of l- a lantern, or um, I guess it would be a chandelier of sorts. And we, we met in a comedy club. So there were these big rafters, and we decided to, like, you know, Jerry, uh, like these pulley systems to get this chandelier that was up there, and I, you know, wired it so we had switches for it and everything. And throughout the sermon, this thing slowly. There was one guy. He all he had to do the whole night was like slowly let this light come down. So it's the kind of thing that you didn't notice, but after a while, you're like, is that light moving? And it was moving, friends. Tony Sherman, and he was back there every so, just slowly letting the light down. And by the end of the service, the, you know, all the lights were on, and the light had come down, and it was this big, huge reveal. It was, it was. Flawless. Right up until the, at the end, uh, the service is over, and Tony had one other job, which was to tie off the light that I had put like weights on from a weight room to bring it down. So, like, Christmas Eve is over, everyone's milling around or at the joke joint, and then all of a sudden, the chandelier just comes crashing to the floor and almost took out one of the Huber kids. So, we're grateful that that didn't happen, but uh, it, it's, it's one of many memories of Christmas Eve, one of my favorite nights of the whole year. So, welcome to you. We're glad you're here. There will be no lights or chandeliers or people flying in from the balcony tonight, but um, uh, Christmas is the end of Advent. It's the end of a season where we anticipate and we hope for and we long for the light of God to come into the world. And it's a simple story, really. It's a baby being born to a young woman. The, Judean, the stillness of the Judean countryside with shepherds and animals and angels. Which is kind of like birth, right? It's mundane. It happens every day, everywhere, all over the world. You know, animals and shepherds and other things, bills and kids running around. And fit for the angels. Like a miracle. Breath. A beating heart. Have you ever studied what happens in a baby's heart when they come out of a womb and their heart beats and opens and their lungs open and they take their first breath? It is an absolute miracle, fit for the angels themselves. It's a birth, but not just any birth. I was listening to a Previous Christmas Eve sermons, as I sort of prepped for this one, and I, uh, I, rem- I was reminded of this one story Lyndon, our youngest, when they were about four years old, you know, pa- classic pastor move, you know, at dinner table, we're gathered around, and dad holds court at the dinner table as pastor. So, kids, why do we celebrate Christmas? And Lyndon, with like all the emphasis and confidence in the world, stands up and says, Well, dad, it's when God got born. Yeah, that's it right there. It's the wonder and mystery, this unbelievable reality that we celebrate at Christmas that God got born, that perfect love and hope and joy became incarnate in a human body, and then was given a name Jesus, Yeshua, which means salvation. Shakespeare has this great line in Romeo and Juliet What is a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, so Romeo were he not Romeo called. Essentially saying that names don't really matter, that if, you know, you could just take another name or if a rose was called something else, it would still smell as sweet or if Romeo was called something else, Juliet would still love him. Okay, Shakespeare, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you should know that it's totally antithetical to the whole biblical narrative. That names matter in the Bible. They matter a great deal, which is why over the last four weeks in Advent, we've been looking with the prophet Isaiah. These names given to this person who was promised to come 2,500 years ago for Isaiah, that this thing we celebrate had not yet happened, and yet Isaiah gives these names. And so tonight what I want to do is we'll read from Isaiah 9, this famous verse, and then we'll add one more name from the Gospel of Matthew. So if you're able, I'd invite you to stand for the reading of the scripture. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Pray with me. God, as we gather tonight in this space, this holy and sacred moment and place, we turn our hearts and our attention as much as we can to you and this story. We're grateful for the way that you have come and that you keep coming. So do it again, I pray, in the strong name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit and the church said together. Amen. You may be seated. Um, by the way, kids who are in the room, We're glad you're here, too. Welcome to you. If you make any noise or feel the need to, you know, caw or coo or anything, totally welcome. We're glad you're here. Moms and dads, feel free to uh, breathe a sigh of relief. All is well. All is well. Uh, What is a name? What is in a name? I've been called all kinds of names in my life. Micah, Mike, Mick the Quick. I was once called, oh, I was called the Linebacker for a while. If you didn't know that, I played Linebacker as a seventh grader. Uh, my nickname in high school was Opie, so Opie, Opiewan, Dopey, Dopeywan, Dopus, Opus, Macaw, Macha. One of my one of my girls' daughters, or one of my, my daughter's friends, calls me latte. Uh my, ki- my kids have now started calling me King. Yeah, I, I don't mind that one at all, King. I'd like to I'd like to offer that to you for your consideration that you might call the pastor King. Uh, just kidding. But what is in a name? The prophet Isaiah speaks of one who will be called Emmanuel. By the way, when Isaiah writes in 7.14, and he writes this famous verse, he's talking about an actual situation in Isaiah's life for the, the kingdom of Israel. And many would, would argue it functions in both ways, that it's, pr- it's present time and it's also about something else. But Matthew then takes Isaiah's quote from Isaiah 7, which we read in Matthew 1, and he says, this person, Jesus, will be called Emmanuel, God with us so i want to explore tonight what it means that jesus born to us at christmas is called emmanuel this name emmanuel first things first is it emmanuel or emmanuel does anybody ever have that question you see it spelled all kinds of different ways well it's either hebrew or greek emmanuel is hebrew emmanuel is greek they both mean the same thing god with us or with us is god and anyone can say anything, right? Like, anyone can say, God with us, or God is with us, or God is love, or, you know, the Vikings are going to win the Super Bowl. Anyone can say anything, but to believe it is a whole nother deal, right? To say God with, is with us is one thing, but to believe that that's true, it does something to us. It does something in us and for us. It has a function in that way. And around Advent, we talk about hope, joy, love, and peace, these kind of big, ubiquitous Large ideas and pastors like me are supposed to find something to say about that. And less interesting to me is what do they mean, and more interesting to me is how do they function? What does it mean to believe that that's true? Emmanuel, God with us. So I have two things I want to draw our attention to tonight as we explore Emmanuel, God with us. And the first of which is this. I want to suggest that Emmanuel affirms this world and the experience of it. Do you guys remember that old spiritual song, I'll fly away? I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. Remember that one? By and by, you know, I'll fly away. Uh, For most of my life as a Christian, as a young believer, I think, well, I, and, and, and I would argue many of us, were led to believe that the whole story of the Bible, the point of the story or the trajectory of the story told in the Bible is to get out of here. That we get to go somewhere else after we die. That I'll fly away. We get to go, you know, commonly to this place called heaven. But if you think about Christmas, it's headed in a different direction. It's not about escaping. It's not about going somewhere else. Emmanuel declares the opposite. That God, the divine, the creator, comes and dwells here. Here. So the that the point, the trajectory of the Christmas story, it's not to go somewhere else, but rather that God, the divine, dwells with us. It's not to leave someday, but rather to come to the realization that this world and our everyday lives are dripping, are surrounded by the sacred presence of the divine. That there are little altars waiting to be, for God, waiting to be experienced all around us every day. In the mundane, in the ordinary, in the everyday. And actually, I would argue this is the whole point of the biblical story. You guys remember the Princess Bride? You told me to go back to the beginning, so this is the beginning. That's where I am. If you want to understand the the vision or the story of the Bible, you have to go back to Genesis 1 and 2, where we find, if you could close your eyes and imagine, a beautiful garden, a, a, a a rainforest, if you will, with, uh, with a, a mountain in the middle and everything in its place, all the creatures and all the things, like a big puzzle, all fitting together with harmony for all. And in that garden, in that forest, on that mountain, is not one throne, but two thrones. One that God the Creator sits on and one that those who bear the image of God the Creator sit on. See, this is what so, so many of us, and myself included for the better part of my Christian life, didn't understand. That in the beginning, God invites humans, you and me, to be co-rulers and stewards of creation. That we set apart from the animals, set apart from the the, the donkeys and the pigs and the things that were gathered around the, the manger. Set apart from them and who are given, who bear the image of God. And whose job, whose responsibility, whose invitation is to care for, to steward all that God made good. This is the beginning of the story, and this is the vision that the Bible gives for life on planet Earth. Now, it doesn't take long to recognize that we run this ship aground, you know what I'm saying? And early on, you know, it doesn't take but two chapters to run the ship aground. And rather than ensuring peace and harmony for all the creatures, humans and empires, and empires run by humans for all of history have been wreaking havoc and sort of going against that grain, against that vision, that story, running around the world as humans, but as if we're acting like animals. Less than what we were created to do and be. It's like we've traded our God-given right, our God-given invitation to be co-rulers and stewards of creation from God in order to become like God. And the irony is that in doing so, we become less than. This, by the way, Genesis chapter 3 all the way to the Gospels, that's the story over and over and over and over again. Just that one, repeating. And what happens at Christmas, friends, stick with me. It's not an evacuation plan, but rather Emmanuel. God with us, as one of us, showing us the way back to where we've come from. Emmanuel affirms this life and the experiences in it Christmas affirms this world as God's dwelling place. Jesus sat and watched sunrises over the Galilee, sunsets over the desert, watched the desert rejoice and bloom in the spring, made it maybe to the Mediterranean Sea, maybe saw the Nile River. Like, would you consider Christmas as a reminder that everything in this world that is good and beautiful and inspiring is a testimony to Emmanuel? that Christmas and Emmanuel is a reminder that this world is good enough to host the presence of the divine for a lifetime. Second, I want to argue, I want to submit that Emmanuel affirms Jesus' body and your body. Uh, By the way, last night I was practicing my sermon for Christmas Eve, and I was just like, this is not going to work. So I just like wrote a whole new one So uh, that's happened to me twice in my career as a pastor, once on Easter and once on Christmas. So this is not the most traditional Christmas sermon I recognize, but I think it's it's true, otherwise I wouldn't be saying it. Emmanuel affirms Jesus' body and your body. I I don't know what kind of religion or religious experience you grew up in or if you grew up around Christianity, but this is not uh, a common message in Christianity, that God affirms this body. In fact, I was told the opposite, that I should be afraid of this body, especially if I listen to what it's telling me. I'm not saying we should listen to everything that our bodies tell us, but we should listen to some things. Jesus comes to us through the most normal and mundane everyday experience. Did you know the UN estimates over th- th- 385,000 babies are born every every day. 140 million babies are born every year. So that means that like, 267 births per minute and like 4.5 births per second it's happening all the time everywhere all around the world this is how the divine comes in a body and you and your body bear the image of god you are a little image-bearing creature wa- walking around the earth. And so your everyday functions, your movements, your growth, your ability to create new things and new life, it's all sacred because God inhabits a human body and affirms these bodies. So this Christmas, an invitation to you. Can you, will you, learn to see your body and the bodies around you as sacred dwelling places of the divine, marked with the spark, the light, the image of God. I think if we take these two things seriously... That Emmanuel affirms this world, the world that we've been invited to participate with God, to be stewards of, and that these bodies and all the bodies around us are image-bearing creatures worthy of dignity and love and respect. If we took those two things seriously, there'd be a lot of joy in the world. A whole lot more joy in the world. So Advent, it's this season of waiting, right? Hoping, longing, for the light of God to come into the world. And ironically, there's this two things happening at the same time. Yes, that's true. And there are lights all around you all the time in every human being that bears the image of God, the light of God. So we're not waiting. We're just learning how to see. My invitation to you this year is to find your way back to the beginning. The story, the place that you, you're an image-bearing creature that God invites to participate with in the the stewarding of the world, peace, hope, love, the things that are in the heart of God. That you've been invited to participate in that. And that this body that you inhabit and all the bodies around us Bear the same image of God, the same imprint of God. Jesus has come to show us the way back to the place we've come from. He's invited us to be outposts of the divine presence in the world. Did you know in the Roman Empire, when the emperor wanted the people of the empire? to know what they looked like, to know who they were. They would carve images like statues of themselves and they would send them all over the Roman Empire so that in the, in the furthest outposts of the kingdom of the empire, the presence of, the image of, the icon of, the idol of the emperor was there. You're the image. If God... Wants God's presence to be known throughout the world. God has placed God's name, God's image, God's likeness. We're made, so let us make mankind in our image, all throughout the world. So start acting like it. That's the invitation of Christmas, friends. You're the image of God in the world. So start acting like it. There is, do you guys remember the Transformers? Do you remember them? Like, th- there's this way in which humans. Uh, We think that something else will satisfy us and so we sort of proverbially build these idols We make these icons these images and we worship them as if they're going to give us life It's like an Autobot making a car You know like the Autobots the Transformers like you know we really need a car Let's make a car and so all the Autobots gather around they're like let's build a car like you're the car dude You're the image Nothing outside of you, nothing that isn't already present in you, relationship with connection to the divine presence, God, will give you joy, will give you life, or produce more joy in the world. So stand where you are, receive what you've been given, and live as light, live as hope, live as connected to the divine presence, which is Emmanuel, which comes to us. At Christmas that's my invitation to you tonight I don't mean to say that you are God there's a fine line there but you are an image bearing creature of the divine every single one of you don't forget that Emmanuel reminds you of that and invites you to do what you've been created to do and be I have nothing more to say to you on Christmas Eve. I think that's pretty good news and I hope it brings hope and joy and peace and love and Emmanuel to you. I'm going to close with uh, this poem. It's called How the Light Comes. I'll invite Mel and Mike and the band uh, to come on up. And they're going to lead us in a song that has kind of become a tradition at Awaken. In some ways, it's a song we've closed our Christmas Eve gathering with many times right before Silent Night. Don't, don't, we're going to do that. <sighs> what do we have these candles for, Micah? Before we sing Silent Night, they're going to lead us in a song called um, May You Find the Light. And as a staff who, like, thinks about Christmas Eve and prepares this time and space, months in advance. This song is our prayer in many ways. Um, It's our hope for you as you come into this space tonight and as you leave this space tonight. So I'd invite you just in the next few moments, um, if you would, maybe even close your eyes. Kids, if you're in the room, if you can close your eyes and try to imagine what I'm saying, try to imagine what what you hear. This is called, How the Light Comes. I cannot tell you how the light comes. What I know is that it is more ancient than imagining. That it travels across an astounding expanse to reach us. That it loves searching out what is hidden, what is lost, what is forgotten or in peril or in pain that it has a fondness for the body, for finding its way toward flesh, for tracing the edges of form, for shining forth through the eye, the hand, the heart. I cannot tell you how the light comes, but that it does, that it will, that it works its way into the deepest dark that enfolds you, though it may seem long ages in coming or arrive in a shape you did not foresee. And so may we this day turn ourselves towards it. May we lift our faces to let it find us. May we bend our bodies to follow the arc it makes. May we open and open more and open still to the blessed light that comes. Friends, would you stand for a closing benediction? may you be reminded that the light of God has come. Emmanuel, God with us. And that the light of God is all around you every day. An encouragement to learn to see it, to name it, to celebrate it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his The Lord, man, on Christmas Eve, you'd think I would get this one. Oh, yeah. The Lord lift up, let's start that over. Let's start that. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church gathered at Christmas said, Amen. Amen. Grace and peace friends if you would blow out your candles and on your way out you can either take them with you or dispose of them Merry Christmas
0: Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at
1: www.facebook.com/awakeningcommunity or on Twitter and with the community.
0: See you next time.